It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party, only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste, your host. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Brent Rollins. This episode of the Atlanta Football Party is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. The Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Now, it's a good time. It's a great time, in fact, to get the party started. Why? Because we're talking about another Georgia win, this time a 30-21 to 21 victory over Missouri that gave the Dogs their first victory over a college football playoff-ranked opponent this season. So let's talk about the top takeaways from the game. Brent, we'll start with you. Carson Beck, you want to talk a little down and distance. And how about that Dogs defense? But you said you wanted to talk about one group in particular. Yeah, and first with Carson Beck, I mean, big picture. Like, this was a very NFL-like game to me, two evenly matched, relatively evenly matched teams where turnovers were the difference in the end. But specifically, back on third down, fourth and fourth down, uh, because the throw to Raro was on fourth down, five, uh, eight of 12, 77 yards, two touchdowns, just two scrambles for first downs, money on the money down, way better than what Mizzou got uh, from Brady Cook. And then – the combo, I don't know if you the, – the law firm that is Wilson and Walker or Walker and Wilson, however you want to do it. But Damon Wilson and Jalen Walker on the edge, those the you're seeing more and more of them – more and more of Jalen Walker on the early downs. You're seeing Wilson consistently playing more. And those guys just flat win on the edge. And speed and relentlessness with which they rush the passer uh, was very much uh, stood out uh, this past weekend. Nice. And what about you, Jarvis? You said you wanted to give the kicker some love. Yeah, like here, here's the thing. Um, I, I really feel like just watching the game and going going through the game and everything like that, I just got some Rodrigo Blankenship-type feels, vibes, when, when I'm talking about Peyton Wooden Ring, because like well, you got to think about how big those kicks were, and then the, he had the forty-eight the yard field goal in the, four, in the in the fourth quarter, just to really just to seal it. Like it seems like Kirby just seems to just hey, let me go see if I can get this kicker that I know for a fact I can count on in any type of situation. Because you got to look at that. That is a big moment. You are your SEC opponent. You're at home. You haven't lost at home since what? Since your, since your home uh, beat you, your 2019 against Will Muschamp in the South Carolina Gamecock. So all of those things right there just kind of culminates itself in just saying, you know what? I could, I trust my guy. I trust my guy to put him in there to go ahead and make this field goal. So it, it, it just really speaks to like just it's nothing like having a kicker in college that you can just count on like that. And I think that Kirby Smart has that in Peyton Wooden. What's amazing about that, it's the literal difference in the game. Three made yes. field goals, nine points. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. That is. There's the margin. And 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 I think you made a really good point earlier when you talk about how this felt like an NFL game because like literally the difference in the game were you know those two turnovers because the offense is like when you're talking about first downs and just yardage like everything very similar, was very similar. It was so similar and like that just kind of goes to show you how important special teams is 
when in those moments, when you're in these type of games, because you're going to be in these type of games, especially when you talk about being in the SEC, because Missouri has given Georgia issues. Like, they consistently give them problems. So so I think that, you know, when you have a guy like Woodring, you can count on, and, and you have a guy like Carson Beck who's not going to turn the football over, it just all kind of comes into play like, okay, this is a very disciplined team. These guys aren't going to make the um, make mistakes in the wrong at the wrong time, and they got a, a guy in special teams that third element that is so important in college. Like they got a guy that can just put in there at any t- given time and say, "Hey, man, go make this field goal so we can uh, seal the deal and, and get this get this dub." Thorson's been legit as a punter too. Like he has yet to have yeah, a punt returned, and yeah. with Burden back there early in the game, you're like, "Okay, don't let him get rolling," uh, and then he can't because of the hang time and the and the his ability to create fair catch opportunity or have them have to fair catch the ball. That's one of the benefits of having a defensive minded head coach. You know, he's going to be big on special teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Because yeah, it's important that at any time in either direction that you go, it's important that you look at where that field position is going to be and the potential to flip the field, you know, in your favor, however you can get it done. And then going back to something Brent that you mentioned as it relates to Carson Beck, as it relates to, you know, just, and, and I'm kind of going a little bit ahead, but it made me think about the fact that style points actually have different definitions at different times of the year, right? And sometimes it's blowout style points, if you will, where, hey, that's a team that you're not only supposed to beat, but you're supposed to obliterate. But I mean, Brent, other times it's style points as it relates to does the guy, Carson Beck in this example, do what it is that you tasked him to do and do it you know, at a high level in a critical matchup like this where you're going against an SEC East opponent, you're going into that second week of the college football playoff evaluations, if you will, from that committee. And to me, yeah, it may have only been nine points, but those might be some seriously stylistic nine points that you need right at a critical juncture as you're being evaluated against maybe what in Ohio State and sort of that top five, that top six are doing um, as you get closer to the end of this regular season. And I would say, Jarvis, you know, going back to also what Brett was talking about as it relates to the defense, you know, this defense just continues to improve. It continues to make the critical moves and make the critical plays when it matters most. And, you know, from a style point perspective there as well, it may not have you in a, you know, and it's right at that 20 mark, you know, that's, and in college football, if you keep someone to 21 these days, that's still pretty impressive. But I think ultimately speaking for the defense to show up and do what it was supposed to do as well to make sure that the win was sealed, but not only sealed, but at every critical juncture where you needed them to, especially as you go late in the game, they get it done. I think that was a good takeaway that Brett mentioned uh, as well. Yeah. Like that's the thing that like, it's so funny how, like you just going back through, like all the podcasts that we've done, uh, you know, talking about the talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, like we we had big questions for the defense early on, right? And we, you know, talking about how, you know, just from a discipline standpoint, you know, the secondary was giving up those big plays and the slow starts in the early early on in games with the offense and on the defensive side of the football. It's just funny to look at at the standings. Like Georgia's defense is only giving up 15 points a game. <laughs> They're ranked in the top 10 in scoring defense, which I feel is the the most important defense statistic that you can throw out there. So yeah, it, it's just really cool to see how, you know, like we there's a certain expectation for this defense, right? Kirby Smart has certain expectations. He wants these guys to play a certain way. And it, and I just by results alone, his expectations are very much higher than a lot of coaches in the country, if not the highest, I feel. So to see them kind of like mature 
and have the opportunities to be able to grow and mature. And then in a big time moment, we talk about the big time moment, not only Peyton Woodring, but guys like Nazir Stockhouse, Javon Buller coming through like, just like, like we've seen Javon Buller come through before, you know? So all of those things kind of come into play where it's just like, it's just funny to me that we the conversations that we had about this defense, but just to see where they are now, it's it's really cool to see to watch the to watch the maturation of this defense as the season has gone along. Nazir Stackhouse has touched the ball twice in his career at Georgia. The interception this past weekend, and he's the one who blocked the field goal that Chris Smith returned for the touchdown in the SEC championship game last year. Wow. So yeah. when he's touching the football. Big play. Good things happen. Big right. Time, exactly. Man. Big things happen. Big things. And you know, Brent, to wrap us up, I want to go with something that Jarvis just said, but it's taking it back to kind of what we would do our first probably seven or eight weeks of the show, which is talk identity. So now here we are in week 11, and the identity, the one word identity that we kept kind of utilizing to show what we thought was the evolution of this team across time. What is your one word identity? for this Bulldogs team as we're wrapping up week 10 going into week 11? Grit, I would uh, say. Yeah. Very yeah. mentally tough. I like that, that grit. That would be mine. Yep. Exactly. Well, how about you, Jarvis? Timely. Timely. Just timely plays being made on both sides of the football. Like we talk about Carson Beck coming up big on third and fourth, third and fourth down, then coming up with those turnovers when you need to to help seal the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, just timely. This team has made some timely plays, and those guys come through when, 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 it, when it's time to make the bacon. They coming through. <laughs> and I'll use savvy for me because I think it kind of encompasses both of those words, where literally they're looking, they're ready, they're prepared, and then they're executing because they really, really do understand the assignment. They understand what's going on. They have the the mental savvy, the wherewithal to know exactly where they need to go, where they need to be, and actually they understand the the meaning of everything that they're doing as it relates to trending up to, I'll say the the second to last hurdle, which of course would be the SEC championship game. And then of course that final hurdle, hurdle getting into that college football playoff and determining whether or not they're actually going to be in position to win if win a third championship in a row. Now we'll go between the hedges and do a little bit more of a deep dive in a minute. But first, let me give you a little bit of intel on FanDuel. So, guys, if you're like me, you really, really are looking around and saying, hey, it's about that time. Like, I can't believe it's November 7th and we're, what, about six weeks away from Christmas and the holidays are upon us. Why is that important? Because you probably could use a little extra scratch right now. That is where FanDuel comes in. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel because it's America's number one sportsbook. Now, right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And if you're like me, you love a user-friendly app, this is it. It's very easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So don't Delay as soon as you wrap up this NFL football or Atlanta football party. Rather, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and do that not just now, but throughout the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on because FanDuel is your official partner of the NFL. 
Gentlemen, it's time to go between the hedges. We know that this was an interesting one because you kind of knew it was going to be a dog fight. No pun intended, but it was a dog fight indeed that we thought it was. But listen, you both said it earlier, and I want to go back to it. And that's the fact that this dog's secondary came to play Saturday, whether it was, as you guys mentioned in the first seg, Nazir Stackhouse's game-changing interception or Javon Bullard picking off a deep pass late. Jarvis, how important was it, especially as we talk about the evolution of this defense and that secondary, how important was it to see this unit truly be difference makers in that game? I mean, it's it means all in the world. And to, to me, it means that I probably have a little bit more confidence that they possibly could pull off a third national championship in a row because, like, that's the staple for this team. That's the calling card for this team is to have an elite defense. And I think they're – moving they have moved towards that because like i said like i mentioned earlier we had conversations about the defense how it wasn't looking like that and it's going to be really hard for you know uh this offense to the way especially the way they were getting off the slow starts and games for them to carry this team as they go through but they have been able to do that and we starting to see those guys make those timely turnovers and, and guys start coming through you start seeing names being called out more on big plays like Jalen walker guys who has a uh, absolutely amazing get off? <laughs> I, I love talking about that. I know it may sound a little weird, but the man is knows how to get home and put the quarterback on the ground. So I think it's huge, huge the way this team this team has stepped up in this particular game. And and I think that this is probably one of those calling card games that we're gonna look back and say, you know what? At the, once they win the SEC championship and they say, you know what? That dog on Missouri game was was really the game that that solidified themselves, solidified this defense as, yeah, yeah, we're back and we're probably we're not as good as those guys uh that were that all went to the NFL, but we dog on her, uh, we are close as you could possibly get to probably being, if not right on right on board with those guys, if not better. Well, the thing about yeah. the, this second the secondary this year versus previous iterations, it's the strength. The previous two years. The strength was more so in the front six, front seven, with especially along the defensive line. Now the strength of this defense is the secondary. And the ability to what they did this week with Kamari Lasseter moving inside literally on the second play of the game in true passing down situations, He Tyke Smith went out. He went and played star, guarded burden, held in just a couple catches on him specifically. But that, we're going to talk about Julian Humphrey in a little bit. So those two, Everett. While they gave a bigger touchdown, still played solid for the most part in the game. Uh, and then Bullard and Starks are the best safety tandem to me in the college football. So, like, the combination of those, all of those players, Tyke, especially making plays, big third down sack in the red zone, that's the best part of this team and this defense. And when you marry great coverage and then you start to get individual winners in the pass rush area, that that's the that's sort of the – the synergistic relationship you want. You can't be getting beat really quickly, but you also have to, you got to cover to give those guys time to get after the quarterback. Yeah. And you're going back to Jalen Walker. You know, I was looking at the film print in one of your other shows and it was just showing how he's so speedy, like watching where Cook was and immediately being able to react and chase him down. That's also, you talk about the strength and you talk about the speed. And then in addition to that, talking about Kamara Lasseter and Tyke Smith, 
Uh, Kirby Smart said in his Monday press conference how important it is for these guys to kind of understand the assignment. You may not always get the time that you want. You may not always get as many plays as you want. But if you have the maturity to be able to step back when needed, step up when needed, that's also going to go a long way for the secondary to continue to be evolved, to be an evolving group and also be arguably the best position group that this defense has, if not this team has as well. Now, Brent, you called it, so I'm going to swing back to you on Julian Humphrey. I'm just going to step back and let you rock with Julian Humphrey because, man, talk about a guy that may have had his own little breakout party himself Saturday. Yeah, and he did some TikTok videos, I think, too, to, to show it up, to show that <laughs> out. But uh, it, he tweeted that, about it didn't happen, right? <laughs> but in terms of what they needed from him, they needed every single – play that he was a part of like the he played 47 snaps which is more than he played the entire last season more than he played in the previous three games like he played and played lights out two two uh receptions allowed on six targets one to me was still a if the call on the field was incomplete i think it would have standed but they called it complete so it standard i don't really know if he truly was in or out of out of bounds with control on that catch with yeah, yeah. uh he got a pi penalty that i still i that was one i didn't agree with but in the game, I think the PI penalties kind of evened out because there was a couple that Georgia got that that maybe were a little iffy. So, but it's just big time pass breakup on third down that he had. It, the talent is there. He he was a top twenty overall recruit. We know the talent is there. Now you got to see it on the field, and and I think he's definitely earned himself at least, if not a starting position, it's a hey we're going to play every other series or we're going to play a good bit between him and Everett if Tyke's playing in that slot role, but. This week, the matchup is is unique as well. So you might see the three-corner alignment with Lassiter, Humphrey, and Everett on the field just as much. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the other thing is, it's just like we talked about how, you know, about that marriage, right? I like, I love, I love your analogy, Brent, by the way. It's been really on point this past couple weeks. See, you need to check out the last one, from, the one from last week. It was a security guard record. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Jarvis's wheelhouse with the, with the analogy last week. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you with on, on this one too because, like, it can be such a beautiful marriage when you match really good coverage with really good one-on-one individual pass rush. You know, those are some of the things that once you get that cooking, it, it, it's really cool to see. So with Julian Humphrey, like, I feel like Jalen Walker is a guy that everybody knew his capabilities, right? Because everybody know all the capabilities that Georgia bring in. Four-star, five-star guys, they come in with all of these big hype, but a lot of times for me, I know me personally, I have to, I want to see it on the, on the field, on the college level, right? And I, I think it was what we saw with Julian Humphrey. Like we saw, we understand the capability. He got nice size, long and aggressive. You, you can see that he really likes to get his hands on guys and, and, and really, you know, uh, uh, really challenge wide receivers. And that's what you like, you love to see in, in a young cornerback. So when you have, these guys getting this experience like Brent talked about, and that's that's kind of like that first date. You get the first date out of the way, you know, and, and you start, you know, really getting comfortable with that person. You starting to get to know them a little bit more. And, like, I feel like the more that Julian Humphrey plays, the more you're going to see this dude going to be celebrating the 25-year anniversary and his, taking his butt on to the NFL. So I think that's kind of what we are when you – when you have a game like Julian Humphrey did, and it is just, I, I love seeing young cats getting opportunities and, and living up to the hype, right? You know, because there we've seen so many guys get, get, come in so come in so hyped up, 
and they just don't live up to the billing. And they might be solid players, but they just don't live up to their hype. And when you see guys like Humphrey and Jalen Walker, those guys start to come in, it's like, okay, yeah, we understand why Kirby was was out here pounding that pavement to get these guys in here. Indeed, indeed. So, guys, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I'm interested to see with such a solid performance that Georgia had against Missouri, whether or not they'll have an opportunity to potentially leapfrog Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings that are going to come out for the second time uh, this particular evening, actually. So we'll talk about that in next up. But first, let's talk about game time and your chance to connect with Jarvis on subtext. Folks, I want to tell you all about game time because it is an app that you need to go to. You know why? Because this is something that you, if you're a last minute person, I know I can be last minute from time to time. So I like to go out and go, you want to take your, take your wife out somewhere. I'm talking about get these last minute tickets, you know, flash deals, zone deals. Game Time has all of that. They're easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. I'm talking about from concerts to comedy shows, theater events, everything. They got all of that right there waiting just for you. You can even see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front. None of all those extra fees and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, the ticket, $20. With all the fees, it's going to be 75 No, none of that. Game time is totally up front, and they're going to let you know exactly what the price is. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So here's what I want you to do. Take out the guesswork, guys, with buying tickets with game time. And all you got to do is download the app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Yes, $20 off your first purchase. Purchase is what you're going to do. All you got to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College. Again, Locked On College, L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, a guaranteed. All right, guys. So let's talk about next up. Obviously, again, Georgia debuted at number two in the first college football playoff ranking of these this season, right, with Ohio State at number one. But it'll be interesting to kind of see after this weekend's, both went one, of course, but after this weekend's games, whether or not that stays the same. Now, we talked a lot about the defense and what kind of statement they made, but do you guys feel like there's an opportunity there for Georgia to unseat the Buckeyes, maybe get into that number one spot, especially with what they did on offense. I mean, Brett, what do you think there? I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I so love when Brent goes deadpan. He's like, I can give zero. You know what? Yes. <laughs> it's It has no bearing on anything until after game 13. Like mm -hmm. it, It's one where you have to take care of your business independent of anything like that. Now, if you're Missouri and you just you just won, or you're you know somebody who hasn't been ranked that high ever or in a long time, celebrate it, go for it. Mm -hmm. Like when the very first college football rankings came out, Mississippi State was number one with Dak Prescott. Celebrate that because it's rare and never happened. With Georgia, mm -hmm. that's not what they're about. Now, I will say the strength of schedule numbers obviously will creep way up in, more so than what they were previous to the Missouri game. So that will maybe lean to the point where Georgia might be in that one spot. But in the end, I don't care. 
Yeah. And I think, and it's funny because if we can recall, that was kind of that back and forth last year where they should have been ranked and who they would have played in that first game of the college football playoff championship. Wah, wah, wah. And like you said, did it really matter? No, because they still walked away with the title. But Jarvis, do you have thoughts or are you like our guy, Brent? Like, yeah, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I really feel like I'm in, I'm in a space where I'm, I'm kind of with Brent, but for me, like, it's kind of, it's a hard sell for, you know, Ohio State to be number one in my book. Because when you're talking about, you know, being the, the number one team in the country uh, for the past two years, uh, you know, you're back-to-back national championship. I know they always say, well, we don't pr- bring in past stuff and all that. You no, know, you're human. Like, <laughs> you can't erase what you've seen the past level. two years. Right. Like, you can't erase what you've seen the past two, these past two years. So I'm on a on a standpoint of like, all right, yeah, strength and schedule. Yeah, Georgia is, is scheduled well, a little weak, but and uh, sure. Ohio State will come down a little bit because of Notre Dame's loss. So you know, right, right. So it may, you know, it may switch. So as the season goes along, you know, things change. So and and I think that you know that's a great point that you made, Brent. So for me, I feel like Georgia should leapfrog them because of what we've been seeing from Carson Beck, who I feel like should be in the conversation for a Heisman, I'm not saying he should be in New York, but he should at least be in a, a top 10 prospect to, to be able to, you know, be in that conversation at the end of the season. So like, when you have things like that, and I'll talk about scoring defense and scoring offense, they're they're in top 10 in both of those categories. There are only uh, three other teams in the country that are sitting right there. So we're talking about some stuff that we're not used to seeing. Like, so yeah, this team is is really good, and, and I know the strength of schedule is a, is a is an issue for for a lot of those folks from the, from the voting stand voters go. But look at the totality of the team. Look at how good this team is. Look at what they've been able to do these past few weeks, and look at what they did against a ranked SEC opponent. That has to account for something. So yeah, I think that you know uh, for me, I feel like Georgia has done enough to be able to leapfrog them. But like at the end of the day, like Brent said. It don't matter to have to, have to look the audience that he get if they win the SEC championship. <laughs> it's it's fun to talk about. I mean, like I, I think yeah. after this, if they take care of Ole Miss, like all right, you just had consecutive in essence top twelve, top ten potential with wherever Ole Miss sits. There'll be maybe nine or something like that, nine or ten. Like mm-hmm. those consecutive wins, like yes, you're going to likely be number one, but you got to take care of business this weekend. Yeah, indeed. And like you said, they're sitting at number 10 and it's much more important. Not that it's not important for Georgia, but they're the ones that are trying to make a statement. Ole Miss is and saying, hey, we should be in a particular conversation as it relates to those top four teams for the college football playoff. Now, speaking of that, what may and, and again, not minimizing the importance of it for Georgia, but there may be some other underlying storylines that have maybe a little bit more um importance, if you will, maybe some subtext, no pun intended again there, but like a potential return of one of Marius Mims and how that might impact how Georgia schemes for and how Georgia approaches this particular game, Jarvis, those conversations may be the ones that are a little bit more tangential than where you land in your second poll for the college football playoff or where you land in the third poll for the college football playoff come next week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Kirby Smart handled it. Now, I, do I have the, all the confidence in the world that he will handle it and it's going to work out perfectly? Yep, I probably do. <laughs> I do. Because, you know, like coming into the season with Michael Morris and Dylan Fairchild, you know, I wasn't a real big fan of the rotation, but it's been working out perfectly. Those guys are getting 
good reps, and they've been doing solid. They've been playing solid. So I don't think that, you know, uh, Coach Kirby's going to mess with that as far as trying moving Xavier Trust back into that guard spot. I don't think that's going to happen. And he did mention something that I thought was very interesting this week. He said he has getting, been getting reps at left and right tackle. Yeah. So I was just like, okay. He might have he might have spilled the beans a little bit. So Green, you might want to be on. Well, I mean, you know? I do think that, but I also think that's him not wanting to put in a true freshman if if Green were to get hurt. Like with Mims yeah. coming back, here's the bottom line: is if he's healthy and fully healthy, he plays. Right, no like, doubt. For sure. But now you, I think you might still see if he is playing, still see some form of rotation where they don't give him a heavy snap load initially. Yeah. Game right, shape, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But yeah. you are one thousand percent right. They should not touch left guard. That rotation is as good as it gets right now. And I'll give you a number that I was messing around with looking at. There are 412 offensive linemen in the power five that have played at least 200 snaps. There are only three that have yet to allow a quarterback pressure. Two of those are Micah Morris and Dylan Fairchild. Like They have in pass pro, and Morris more so as a run blocker than Fairchild, but in pass pro especially, they are doing a phenomenal job and should not be touched. That rotation is, you know, perfect. That's why I have all the confidence in the world that Kirby's going to figure it out. As long as Mims is healthy, we'll we'll figure it out, big man. Don't get in there and he's going to play. Exactly. Right. But I also think something that uh, you guys both mentioned is the fact that Kirby has so many quality pieces that he's been able to utilize throughout the course of the season across that O-line. And that is part and parcel to why you also don't have to rush into Mary Smith back. That's also why part and parcel, why, like Brent said, when you bring him back, if he's 100 percent, you also don't have to have him in there for 100 percent of the snaps because, I mean, you have the, the embarrassment of riches that we always talk about. So I think even having the ability to have this conversation goes back to that particular embarrassment of riches, which is also how a defense like the Bulldogs defense can actually be in a position where, yeah, when a Jamon Jamon Johnson goes down, it can be a tough go, but it's not the end of the world. Like the dogs actually do have the ability to account for being able to lose a player like that. But, and when I say that, Brent, I'm not necessarily saying that, you're going to match him, you know, like pound for pound in the loss, but just saying that it's a good thing that the dogs still have the ability to be able to put a quality product on the field in his absence. Yeah. I will say like, much like we talk about with injuries at any position earlier in the season, it's about more so now the next injury, like they're fine with one injury or not necessarily fine. Like you got CJ Allen, who's played a lot as a true freshman, as a freshman, Raylan Wilson, who's starting to play more, got a lot of significant snaps, against Missouri with Munden as well. Like now, now that's part of your rotation. You get uh, Xavier Sori back uh, this week, part of the rotation. So from a depth perspective, you're okay at this point. It's now if there's another one, uh-oh. Like now you're really relying on – and your depth is is very minimal. But I do think you're just going to see a lot of C.J. Allen. You're going to see Raylan Wilson in there, some some Xavier Sori as well. They'll mix and match – on early downs, I think I do think obviously Allen and Munden will be the two primary that are there uh, for the majority of the snaps. But you know, it's it's hard for him hard for him with with that injury. That it's a tough one. It'd be interesting to see if how he can come back, like club it, you know, hard cat, whatever, who knows? But it'll it'll be interesting to see. But it's it is a big injury. But yes, they do have pieces to replace them. Now, Jarvis, not that we're saying that they don't have a chance because hey, when you suit up, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday, 
you never ever know until the actually actual game is played. But one of the things that Lane Kiffin does try to do and probably will try to do to mix it up and give his old Miss team a fighting chance is tempo. And so how much will that tempo be in the mix for Lane Kiffin? How much do you think he'll kind of use that against the dogs to get them off their game? You got to think about what Lane Kiffin has, has been able to accomplish in his career as offensive coordinator. He got Nick Saban, the doggone, move on from that old style of offense. Like, so, so, so when you think about, like, and it's not like Lane Kiffin throws all this exotic stuff at you. He just makes you play sound defense, like what, what, what he throws at you. So I think that when you have a guy like that, that might be Lane right there, you know, getting ready, getting, getting ready to, getting ready to, to score 30 points. So, I, but, I, but I do think as far as with the tempo goes, Jackson Dart, and you know, uh, experienced quarterback that he has and, and what he's been able to do since he's been there at Ole Miss. I think that, you know, this is something Georgia, this is going to be another test for this defense. And I think that this is a, another game where, hey, you guys are going to have to come prepared and be ready because Lane Kiff is going to try to throw everything at you. And I think it's going to come fast and, and Georgia's got to be ready, ready to be able to take that on. And Brett, that includes, speaking of whatever he throws at you, Quinshawn Judkins. That's one of the top running backs. Some may argue the best running back in the nation. How does this dog's defense get ready to slow him down, if not shut him down? This is the ultimate discipline game from a defense. Two things. One, discipline because of the way they use misdirection, the way they use the QB run game, like the way they use the read game. Like There are elements to this where they want to try to make you wrong no matter what choice you make. But the other part is is the fact that tackling just – it's obviously a, you know blocking and tackling is such a basic part of this game. Ole Miss is one of the lowest teams in the power five in terms of yards before contact, which is a scheme, but more so a line metric. They're one of the best teams in the power five and in the nation in yards after contact. And that's because of Judkins and Bentley. Like those two will break yeah. tackles for days on end. And, you know, we saw it last week with Schrader. Cody Schrader balled out and was rarely brought down on first contact you know, a couple different, you know, where he gets first downs, that sort of thing. This is going to be a very physical game. And I think the biggest thing for Georgia, I think if they prevent any sort of big plays, just jump ball plays to Trey Harris, who's one of the best receivers now in the country, transfer from La Tech, they prevent those. Then you prevent the tempo. Then you prevent, you know, it's if you keep them in sort of third and six plus, make them a drop back team. I very much like Georgia's defense chances. If they're able to stay on schedule and use tempo, this could be a game that's in the 30s with each team. Indeed. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it goes down between the hedges this weekend. You, of course, know that this show will absolutely positively be watching. So for Brent Rollins, for Jarvis Davis, I am Tanitra Batiste. We appreciate you, as always, stopping by the Atlanta Football Party. It's your home for the best dogs football talk. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, come back on Thursday for the Atlanta Sports Party. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.